This morning, we're still in our series called Big Ideas of the Bible. We've been doing it through the, the month of June, and as we start here in July, we're going to follow through uh, July with the Big Ideas of the Bible. We have talked about everything from uh, redemption to the dual nature of Jesus, from covenant to last week we talked about faith, and this morning, we're going to talk about baptism. Now, I know, yeah, see, you're already excited about it. Oh, man, if I woke up this morning and somebody would just talk about baptism, my life would be better, right? When we get done, you're going you're gonna to see and you're going to understand why baptism was so important to the first century church and why we should still be focusing on seeing people baptized. All right. But before we jump into that, got a stupid little story for you. There was a fella one, one uh, Sunday afternoon, and this guy uh, had not been at church that morning. In fact, he had been uh, uh, sitting around with the bottle, if you understand what I mean. And by, by Sunday afternoon, he, he, was, he, he was good and toasty. He was lit. He was, he was drunk as a skunk. As we say, I've never really figured out why skunks are drunk, but this man was drunk as a skunk and he is stumbling around out in the, the woods and he comes upon a, a river and there is a, a preacher out in the river and he is baptizing people. And this guy is so drunk, he can't even stop himself. He just stumbles right down into the river and he bumps into the preacher and the preacher turns around and looks at him, gets a big whiff of what this man has been doing all day long. And he looks at him and he says, are you ready to find Jesus? And the man goes, sure. <laughs> so he takes him and he dips him under the water and he brings him back up and he looks at him and he says, did you find Jesus? And he went, no. So he takes him again and he dips him under, holds him just a little bit longer this time, brings him up and he said, did you find Jesus? And the guy goes, no. Exasperated now, the preacher takes him, holds him under until he starts kicking his legs and flailing around, and he pulls him back up and he says, did you find Jesus this time? And the man was wiping water off of his face and coughing and sputtering. He goes, I didn't find Jesus. Are you sure this is where he fell in? There you go. Yes, yeah. There you go, there you go, there you go. We're going to talk about baptism this morning. And before we talk about why baptism is so necessary, I want to talk just real quick about what baptism is not necessary for. Just real quickly here, because sometimes it's a bit confusing. Baptism is not necessary to join New Covenant Church. Now, there are some churches that you must be baptized in their church to be a member of their church, or you must be baptized in a church of their particular denomination to be a member of their church. Here at New Covenant Church, we believe that if God is planting you here and you want to be a part of what we're doing, you can join the church. Secondly, we do not believe that babies have to be baptized. Now, once again, there are some denominations, there are some, some Christian churches that believe that babies should be baptized. We believe that baptism follows salvation. We believe baptism follows faith, and a baby just is not ready to, to take that step of faith, 
right? Now, we dedicate babies here. There are other denominations that christen babies, but we don't believe that babies have to be baptized. And third, we do not believe that uh, baptism is necessary for salvation. There are denominations that believe that until you are baptized, that you have not connected with faith, that at baptism, real faith comes on you, and that's when you receive salvation. We don't believe that. We believe that salvation is a subsequent work of the Holy Spirit in your life after you have been saved. So why is baptism important? Why is baptism important? Baptism was not a part of, if it's not a part of the salvation process, why was the early church so gung-ho about baptism? Think about just going through the book of Acts. The book of Acts is, is a perfect picture of what church should look like. It's how it started. Don't you know that when things started, that's, that's probably about as pure as it's ever going to be, is right when it starts, Right? So in the book of Acts, you, you will see over and over again that people are being baptized. Second chapter of Acts, on the day of Pentecost, after the Holy Spirit has fallen, after people are speaking in tongues, and everybody out in the, out in the, the, the uh, street hears them, and they're making fun of them and asking what's going on, Peter gets up, and he begins to preach, and probably preaches one of the best messages that has ever been preached and during that, he's saying, believe and you will be saved. <laughs> believe and you will be saved. That's a pretty good place to stop for just a second. You know, that's all you have to do is believe. Some people want you to jump through all kinds of spiritual hoops. They want you to do this. They want you to do that. Believe and you will be saved. If you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins, you can be saved. So all these people are listening to, to uh, Peter preach, and they're beginning to believe. They're, they're accepting the word that is going on there. And when Peter gets down to the end of his message, they go, okay, so what's next? And he says, repent and be baptized. In the same message, he went from getting them saved to getting them baptized. And it says that 3,000 people joined the church. 3,000 people were born into the kingdom that morning. 3,000, and there they are baptizing them. That's a bunch of people to baptize, isn't it? I mean, just the 12 apostles there, they're going to have to baptize over 200 each, right? That's a bunch of people to be baptizing. But he didn't wait. He didn't say, hey, come back next week. We've got a class for you. Come back, and we'll tell you all these type of things that you need to do to be a part of, you know, the Jerusalem church. It's not what he told them. You just accepted Jesus get baptized. Yeah? Philip. Philip the evangelist has just gotten finished preaching in Samaria. And he goes out and he says that, that he saw an Ethiopian eunuch, somebody that was high up in the, the court of the queen of Ethiopia. And he goes up to him. The guy's reading out of the book of Isaiah. And he says, do you understand what you're reading? And he goes, how can I? Unless somebody explains it to me. But we could stop there again for a while, couldn't we? People are hungry for Jesus. People are hungry for truth. All we need to do is a little explaining for them, okay? So he begins to explain Jesus to this Ethiopian guy. And as they're going along, he's obviously believed because they come up on a pool of water and he goes, well, what's keeping me from being baptized? Absolutely nothing. Same time, 
just got saved, he just gets baptized, right? Paul. Paul going up the road of Damascus, meets Jesus. Jesus shows up and says, hey, buddy, better change your life. I don't like what you're doing. I don't like the way that it's going. He believes. He's blinded for three days. Ananias comes and prays for him. He's healed. And it says the very, the very next verse says, and, and Paul arose and was baptized immediately. Once again, baptized. Very next chapter, chapter 10, Peter goes down to Cornelius' house and begins to preach. First time that non-Jewish people are getting preached to. Peter goes in there and he begins to preach to them, begins to preach about Jesus and the Holy Spirit falls on them. And this is what, what Peter said. He said, well, if the Holy Spirit's gonna fall on them, I guess we can't tell them they can't be baptized, can we? He says, What's, we can't withhold water for them, from them to be baptized. Once again, people are getting saved, people are getting baptized. And then the last example I can think of uh, off the top of my head, chapter 19, Paul's wandering somewhere around Ephesus and he runs into some guys and it says they were disciples. He meets some disciples and he begins to talk to them. And sometime during the conversation, he finds out that they were not baptized in the name of Jesus. So he says, hey, we're going to baptize you in the name of Jesus. It was important. So why was it so important to the first church that we be baptized? That's what we're going to talk about for the next few minutes. Okay. Why baptize? First reason we should be baptized. Baptism is the new covenant's circumcision. Showed my message to somebody the other day. They were looking at my notes and they go, oh, so your first point is circumcision. You just can go right for it, right? So you say circumcision, every guy starts kind of wiggling. Don't even want to think about it. Baptism is the new covenant's circumcision. Colossians 2 verse 11 says, and in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. In the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which we were also raised up with him through faith. In the working of God who raised him from the dead. Just as circumcision was the covenant sign for the Jews. Baptism is the covenant sign for Christians. Now think about this. Every lady in the place should be excited about that because under the old covenant, you couldn't have the sign. You could not have the sign of the covenant in your life. But when Jesus comes along and he sets us free, there's no longer those, those old barriers. There's no longer those, those old things holding us back. Because every man, every woman can be a part of the body of Christ. There's nothing holding us back. There's nothing holding us back. David understood the power of the sign of the, of the covenant. Think about this. David somewhere between 14 and 16 years old, shows up one day because his dad said, go down there and take your brother some food. 
He shows up one day and the, and the armies are all out there supposedly having a battle. And there's this big fella on the other side. And this big fella is cursing the armies of Israel by the names of his God. And what does David say? David said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? In other words, who is this guy who does not have a covenant with God? Who is he to be cursing us? Who is he? He knew the power of the covenant. He knew the power of the sign of the covenant. Circumcision declared what earthly family the Jews belong to. Baptism declares what heavenly family Christians belong to. Number two, baptism is a public declaration of faith. Romans 6, 4. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death. So that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. Listen to that again. We've been buried with him. Who do they bury? Dead folks, right? That's right. Even an Aggie can get that one right. We buried dead folks. And we were buried through baptism with Christ. In other words, we were dead. We are, we are displaying the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus in our own life. Dead, coming up, glory, that we might walk in the newness of life. Newness of life. Who we were, we are no longer. And I'm willing for everybody to know it. I'm willing for everybody to know it. See, in our, in our, in our Western, non-traditional culture, Sometimes we forget about the power of baptism. It almost becomes like, well, we'll do it every once in a while. We'll do it if somebody really wants it, but we don't really push it. Whereas in Africa and in the Middle East and in the Far East, it is still a very big part of coming to Jesus. It's an expectation of those that are coming to Jesus that they're going to be baptized. And they understand especially in the Middle East, they understand that to publicly confess that they have become a Christian, that could be deadly. I read a story a, a few years ago about a man who had gotten saved, had grown up as a part of another religion, had, had met some Christians, and had gotten saved. And it was illegal in his country to be baptized. It was a two-year sentence in prison, two-year sentence in prison to be baptized. So this man worked for two years and saved up money because he knew that he wanted to be baptized. And the moment that he was baptized, he was going to prison, but he was not gonna leave his family without. So it took him time to, to work up the money. 
that's, that's a level of dedication that, that most Christians I know don't have. I'm just being honest. We would say, well, Lord, you know it's illegal. You don't want us breaking the law, do you? The Bible says to be subject to the laws. I wouldn't do that, Lord. You know my heart. You know I would. I'll go dunk my head. I'll trip and fall in a puddle of water, and we'll call it baptism. How about that, Lord? No, this man knew. And this man said, Jesus is worth it. Now, let's be honest. In some places in the world, that was a light sentence. Because I've also read stories about how people have been found even in the middle of a baptismal service and they've been executed right there. Their life is on the line. Yet it is so important that they make a public confession. You know why? Because I'm not who I used to be. I'm, I'm, I'm not that, that addict anymore. I'm not that broken person anymore. I'm not that adulterer anymore. Plug in whatever sin you want to. I am not this anymore. I am new. I am new. And if God can make me new, if God loves me so much that he's going to change who I am, he's going to change my very nature, he's going to change everything about me, I'm willing to stand up and say, this God has done this for me. It's important. Number three, baptism rescues us from the clutches of the enemy. Baptism rescues us from the clutches of the enemy. 1 Peter 3.20 and 21, I'm reading this out of the message version just so it'll be a little bit more clear. It says, God waited patiently all the days that Noah built his ship. Only a few were saved then, eight to be exact. Saved from the water by the water. Saved from the water by the water. Saved from the water. You need to catch this. Saved from the water. What was the water there to do? Separate, separate the righteous from sinful past. Okay? Saved from the water by the water. The waters of baptism do that for you. Not by washing away the dirt of your skin. But by presenting you through Jesus' resurrection before God with a clear conscience, the floodwaters came to remove sin. The floodwaters came to make things new. The floodwaters came to, to separate. But the ark kept those who believed safe. Jesus is our ark. Jesus is our ark. Jesus is our ark. So although the, the, the evil of the world is still out there, our ark keeps us safe. Our ark keeps us safe. Jesus, or the baptism is like a spiritual stop sign. 1 Corinthians 10.2. 
And all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Now, I want you to think about this. Go back to your Sunday school lessons, okay? Here's Moses, parts the Red Sea, right? The enemy is chasing him down. Have you ever felt like the enemy is just bearing down on you and there's something that's keeping you from, from getting to safety? There's something I just can't get away from. Well, God splits the Red Sea. Children of Israel walk across. Pharaoh and his army follows them. And what happens? It closes again, right? Just like they were baptized into Moses, we are baptized into Jesus. The enemy is going to try to follow you through anything and everything, but God closes the door on them. God is shutting down what the enemy used to do in your life. What he is trying to tell you is still the truth. But Jesus is preaching a new truth to you. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. A new creation in Christ Jesus. The enemy doesn't quit. He doesn't stop just because you gave your life to Jesus. He doesn't stop just because you got baptized. But what is going on is God saying, hey, he's mine now. This is mine. We may not see the sign of the circumcision of our heart, but guess who does see it? The enemy sees it. The enemy sees it. He's trying to convince you that it's not there. He's trying to convince you that you don't have a covenant with God. He's trying to convince you that the same old, same old that has always dogged you, has always plagued you, has always followed you is still going to be there. But when we're baptized, God's saying, I'm shutting the door. I am shutting the door. Number four, baptism is a command of Jesus. Matthew 28. And Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Now who's speaking here? I just want to make sure that you're following me. Okay, punch your neighbor, the one that's snoring. <laughs> Who's speaking here? Jesus. Jesus. Can everybody say Jesus? Jesus. Jesus? Jesus is speaking here. He said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. How did he get all authority in heaven and earth? How did Jesus get all the authority in heaven and earth? He whipped the devil's butt. Okay? The devil had some authority. He did. The devil had some authority. But Jesus destroyed the authority of the enemy. And now he's saying, I got it all. Just read the book of Revelation. He said, I'm the one that was dead and is now alive. I have the keys to death and hell. Amen. Satan doesn't have any authority. He can't even lock his own front door. He doesn't have the key. He does not have the key. He does not have authority over you anymore. And Jesus is saying, all authority has been given to me and I'm giving it to you. And what are you supposed to do with it? Oh, go, I am so anointed. Look at me. I am the glow-in-the-dark apostle, am I not? No, he said, 
I've got authority. I'm giving it to you. Get up and go. Get up and go. Where are you supposed to go? Anywhere you go. I mean, the scripture literally says in Greek, as you go, make disciples. As you go, wherever you may be going. Are you going to school? Are you going to work? Are you going to the grocery store? Wherever you may be going, make disciples. And as we make disciples, see, Jesus threw it in here too. As you make disciples, baptize them. Why? For all the reasons we just talked about. Baptize them. Baptize them so they know that they have a covenant. Baptize them so that they, they are able to make a public confession. Baptize them so they know that the enemy is cut off in their life. Baptize them. So why is it important that we, as a church, baptize? Why is it important that we baptize? Three quick things here. We're going we're gonna to wrap it up here. The first reason we need to be baptizing as a church often is because it keeps salvation. It keeps salvation as our primary goal and our primary focus, as, as it should be. See, so often we, 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 we have churches, and I'm so glad that, is, that this is not the heart of this church, but we've got churches everywhere. They're nothing but sanctuaries for Christians. Come and hide. Come and hide away from all those, those ugly, mean sinner people. Stay away from them. That's, that's not the gospel. That's not the truth. Jesus said, get out there in the middle of them. Jesus said that you are the light. You are the light. Doesn't matter how dark it is. Doesn't matter how, if we turned off every light in here and we could seal up every crack and crevice and it was so dark you couldn't see your hand in front of your face. If you lit one match, every eye would go right to that match because that's what light does. That's what light does. And this world may be dark and we like to complain about it. Oh, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. We like to talk about it, don't we? Oh, it's those politicians or it's those, all these people. Guess what? Jesus still won. Jesus won. And now he's saying that you are the light. You are the light. So we baptize. So we will keep salvation out there. Just think of, think of what it would be like if we got so excited. Man, we're going to be baptizing. If we started believing as a church, what if we all came together and began to pray? Could we believe together? Could we believe together? Five, 10, 15 people a week giving their life to Jesus in a church this size? Can you think about that? Not only does it keep salvation out there and keep us excited about seeing people saved, it's an ongoing witness of the victory of Jesus. Every time we baptize somebody, it's saying, Jesus died, he rose, we win. Every time. Not only is it speaking to us, but it is screaming to the devil. You lost, buddy. You lost. You lost. Every time somebody goes under those waters of baptism, Satan's remembering. I remember when I thought I had killed him. And then you pull him back up and he goes, and I remember the day that he rose from the dead. And you come out victorious. And he goes, oh, I can't stand the fact that these Christians are understanding who they are in Christ Jesus. 
gets me a little stirred up, sorry. It also speaks. What if somebody got saved? I'm talking about really saved. I'm talking about, about good, broken, nasty people like some of us used to be. And we really got saved. And we really came to be baptized. Guess what we like to do? We like to bring some of those broken, nasty people with us. Hey, come watch me get baptized. I have seen this happen. I have seen this happen. Somebody gets saved and they invite people to come watch them get baptized. And as they go down and they come up, it is such a testimony. It is such a witness that some other broken, nasty person gets saved too. Right on the spot. I've seen people get saved right during a baptismal service. Number three, it's biblical. We should be baptizing because it's biblical. I want you to dream with me for just a second. Can you do that? Dream with me for just a moment. What if we were so full of passion for this God that has changed our lives? So full of passion that we can't help but tell people what he's done about, done for us. Oh, we just can't help invite people to church. If you knew that every week there was going to be an opportunity for somebody to give their life to Jesus, you don't have to have all the answers. You come down here, we'll yell at them for about 30 minutes and ask them if they want to get saved, right? What if we had every week people getting saved and every week people being baptized? Every week. Every week, every week, I'm telling you this, I lay in bed and God and I talk about this. I get up in the morning and God and I are talking about this, seeing people saved. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. Man, I want you to grow in your walk, in your relationship with the Lord. Yes, I do. I want you to know the word. I want you to be everything that God created you to be. But the reason we're being everything that God created us to be is so we can be open to more people coming into the kingdom. Every week, somebody saved. Every week, somebody being baptized. I think then... We're being the church that God has called us to be. You agree with that? Bow your heads with me for just a moment.